to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. My final guest this evening started her food business back in 2006. Kira Troy is the founder of Oi Chi Foods, a producer of high quality Japanese food products. And since its humble beginnings at a market stall 18 years ago, it has gone from strength to strength. Let's find out more. Bon appetit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Kira, you're very welcome to the programme. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me about Oishi Foods, um, a fantastic Japanese-inspired food company that you started in 2006. And if we do travel back in time to 2006, anybody out in the market looking for the likes of sushi would have been hard-pressed to find it back then. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show, Sharon. It's it's a, a pleasure to be here and to be telling my story. So, yeah, back in 2006, I think there was one conveyor belt sushi outlet behind Brent Thomas, just off Grafton Street. Um, and myself and my boyfriend used to go in every Saturday night, I think. Just loved it. Um, but luckily, I had had the opportunity to travel over to Tokyo as part of my, um, I did Bess in Trinity. And four of us went over as part of Bess with the business school and studied Japanese business and language. And I would say that's where my love of Japanese food really came from. And then when I was trying to find it back here in Ireland, there were just so few places to to enjoy Japanese food. It's so, so different now. that It's just a completely different landscape now in 2024. So, yeah, so in 2006, that's what led me to I couldn't find the food that I had fallen in love with and decided to try and make it myself and uh, share my love of Japanese food with a wider audience. So you've just come out of college. You didn't do a food related degree. You don't come from a food background. Your, Your family didn't have a food business. So it must it, it, it was quite a leap to say, right, I'm going to set up this this business did you get support from friends and family whenever you you pitched the idea to them it was an absolute leap I think I went from doing the finals I tempt for a bit actually in the food safety authority um and yes it was an absolute leap I just did some research found a farmer's market down at Greystones that had a space and and went for it. Yeah. So, yeah, family and friends were very supportive. I'm sure they thought I was mad as a brush. I hadn't a bean and everything was done on a shoestring, but they all pitched in and helped me set up or helped me pack up. So it was great. It was very exciting. And I think a lot of food and drink producers out there, their journey did start at a farmer's market because that's where you're going to get really honest um constructive feedback from the consumer definitely it was a great um platform to begin from because you're you're right in front of the customer they're telling you exactly how they feel whether they like it don't like it and if they really like it then they were coming back the following week and asking if they could have it again or if they could have something different so it was it was just a brilliant way to get consumer feedback in a in a very honest format as you said it was hard work the markets are not easy you're up against the elements 
um, a lot of moving parts. So I have great respect now for for the traders that I see week in, week out, still at the farmer's markets. And, and tell me about what was the product range then and what is it now? How has it grown? Yeah, so then, I mean, the idea, the concept behind oishi, oishi means delicious in Japanese. And really it was to be a broader Japanese food concept. So when I began, I was making chicken yakitori skewers. I had miso soup. I think I did a green tea drizzle cake at one stage, you know, gyoza. But sushi was what people wanted. And sushi was what took me the longest to make. Um, so as the weeks went on, I had to narrow the range and focus on the sushi in order to just meet the demand. And that's really where it came about. And had you learned to make sushi whenever you were in Tokyo? I didn't study to make sushi. We cooked a lot in the international dorm. So there were a lot of different influences. There were students there from Japan, from Korea, Mongolia. I shared a room actually with a Mongolian girl and an American girl. Um, so yeah, we would just cook up, but there was no formal training at all. So uh, talk about the confidence of youth. <laughs> you know, There I am, early 20s and thinking, I could do this. And um, so no God knows what my first attempts at sushi making were really like. But like I loved it and I actually would make sushi with Japanese friends here in Dublin because I continued, I suppose, with Japanese exchanges, language exchanges and, and connections. So myself and um, one particular friend, Kayo, she would come over to my house and we would just cook up a storm and she would do the markets with me. And we'd go home and do it all again. So, yeah, so no, it was very, very informal. <laughs> and, uh, when I look back now, I just can't believe my bravery or madness. And whenever you look at, the, at that um, range that you did then, and it has grown now to include the likes of noodles and, and teriyaki sauce, at what point in the journey were you able to transition from the markets to um, maybe sell and direct, not having a market presence, for example, and even like you're in a number of the major supermarkets now? I would say it was probably after about six to nine months, I would have began the first market there in Greystones in July of 20, 2006. But through the winter months, the, the markets were hard. As I said, you're up against the elements. So you know, in early of the following year, I was getting pretty tired. There weren't as many markets back then. So you'd work all weekend and then you'd recover during the week and kind of take stock. So I began cold calling into some of the stores um, after the markets with leftover products. I showed them to the likes of Gary Morton in Morton's in Ranla, the spa in Stillorgan and said, you know, do you think this type of product would sell from a retail shelf? And it was pretty honest uh, response of, well, you'll have to put a barcode on it and, and we'll see. So I went and bought 10 barcodes from GS1 Ireland and created some labels. So it was really suck it and see. And were you a woman with a plan? Was this all a very um, defined strategy that you were following the steps through? Or was it a case of... I'm standing here at this market and really I'd much rather be delivering to that store across the road because 
it'd be a much more pleasant experience for me. Yeah, I knew that when my energy levels were starting to flag, that it just wasn't really sustainable for me. I was absolutely zapped. And and also I couldn't really see how I could grow it. I had to get out of the house. I had to get a kitchen. If I got a kitchen, I had to get staff. If I got staff, I had to get more business. So, you know, that therein is the cycle of growth that you begin when you when you start a business. Um, yeah. So there, I mean, the growth was quite organic in that sense that literally one had to lead to the other, which had to lead to the other. And because of my limited time, energy, resources, there was only so much I could do. And yes, I, I wore every hat to begin. I drove the van. I made the sushi. I did the invoicing when I got home. And there's only so many hours you can work in a day for a sustained period. Um. So, yeah, so thankfully, when a few of the stores gave me a chance and I put my mobile number on the labels, I got calls from other stores expressing interest in the products and could I supply them as well. Organic growth, no structured plan would have been a benefit. Um, Didn't think that far. I went from surfing in Sligo the previous Saturday to thinking I could just set up a market stall the, the following week. So hindsight is a wonderful thing. But it, it all has worked out. Like It has. It has. has all worked out. But there must have been a point where maybe you were making contact with the bank or the local enterprise office where somebody must have said to you at some point, you need a business plan. Absolutely. And that led me to the doorstep of the Wicklow Enterprise Board where I met the loveliest staff, Catherine Harrod, Sheila Daly. I just, the names just jump out at me. I arrived, I'd say I was a stress ball and needed guidance and they offered me assistance. They helped me with a business plan. They helped me apply for um, a capital grant. And that was a real turning point. I was able to move kitchens from what really was the most basic setup. I think I had a Coca-Cola fridge to store the products in. And then we moved to a proper production kitchen in Bray with the capital funding having been approved through the Wicklow Enterprise Board, which allowed me to buy like my first machinery, my first Mackie machine up to that point. I was cutting every sushi roll by hand with a knife. I was rolling every sushi roll by hand. So yeah, automation. I knew that there was something in it, but I knew that I couldn't keep going the way I was. So that was a real, a real turning point in the business. So you find yourself then trying to source machinery and going and looking at different types of machines to see what they could do and yeah. you know, how did they operate? Like that, there must have been huge investment in 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 turning the business, making the business more automated. Yeah, I remember my dad and I actually got on a flight to London. We met a guy called Nari Matsunaga, and himself and his wife sourced sushi machinery from. Korea at the time and we had also met a supplier of Japanese sushi machinery but they were a lot more expensive so Nari and his wife welcomed my dad and I into their house in London and fed us a beautiful Japanese meal and miso soup and we were just totally wowed and we got our first pieces of machinery from them and it was a lovely kind of working relationship a lovely way to begin so, yeah, I have great memories of those early days and the excitement of jumping on a plane with my dad and 
you know, he was so supportive and very new to the whole Japanese food scene, but really embracing it at the same time. Isn't it great that he had the confidence in you and he never doubted you for, for one minute? Because like my own father, God rest him, I could see him looking at me a couple of times thinking like, what is she up to here? <laughs> Absolutely. The support from my mum and dad was just incredible. And yes, unfortunately, my dad isn't with us any longer. But I know that he would just be so proud of where Oishi Foods is today. He did everything himself and my mum that they could to help they lent me their own kitchen I think at one stage my dad was blitzing me so soup for me um so yeah without the support of family and friends we wouldn't we wouldn't do what we do sure we wouldn't absolutely yeah you know it is it is really important I think especially in the food industry and to have the back and of friends and family is fantastic and then you'll find within that whole network of food and drink producers throughout Ireland and um, there's great support there for them also um so you have moved now here from a 1500 square foot facility into a 4000 square foot facility so you have more than doubled in size um in in the past year in the past 12 months you know, a huge undertaking now. Tell us about the the, the new premises because I know you're extremely happy. I can see that nobody can see the smile, but the smile. <laughs> I know. Look, I know myself. Whenever um you move from the kitchen table into a nice office, it just gives you such um a leap of joy. We just don't know ourselves. <laughs> like to say that this move was a long time coming is an understatement. But it's just not that easy. So for 12, 13 years, we were lucky enough to occupy a 1500 square foot unit as part of the Spade Enterprise Centre in Smithfield um, a brilliant incubation setup. But we had long outgrown it and we knew it. But the problem was, is that we couldn't find a suitable next step. They were either really, really large and it would have just been mad money and and just too big so it was quite difficult to find that next stepping stone and um, but thankfully after a lot of searching we came across our now our unit in bluebell in dublin 12 we signed the lease this time last year so january 2023 we signed the lease and it was just a blank canvas it ticked a lot of boxes for us in that it was end of terrace it was in a secure industrial estate and it was on the commuter belt so retention of staff was really really important to us because our team is everything we've been lucky enough to have good staff retention we have a great team spirit within Oishi and we didn't want to lose people because of a poor decision we'd made in terms of location so location was key and then we embarked on six to eight months of a building project and we now have built a state-of-the-art food production facility in the new unit and we don't know ourselves it's just great it was a lot of work big learning curves but we've done it (laughs) you've added even more skill to your burgeoning skill set because you you were talking about driving the van doing the invoice and there's recruitment to be done now there's wages to be done and then 
like anybody that has been part of any sort of a build, like we put a new kitchen in here last year and it nearly broke the two of us. <laughs> I mean, mentally, mentally, mentally. It broke the two of us just with all the decisions that have to be made. Yeah. Oh, and that's on, on a, a much less significant scale to what you ha- have done. So, you know, the positioning of plug sockets, three phase electricity, whatever that is. You know. Listen, we weren't using sophisticated IT tools. Like for me, I'm quite a visual person. It, it was masking tape and taping out lines of, you know, equipment and room spaces and how much room did we need left and right. Um, and obviously running a lot of numbers. So the team really came into their own in terms of the support and backup. And, you know, we're quite a, a lean management team. Um, there's only really four of us in terms of the main management. And then we have um, middle supervisors and then obviously the, the key production staff who work tirelessly to make the sushi fresh day in and day out, night in and night out. So yes, not only did we grow the volume of business that we were delivering to the market but in conjunction to that myself and Jonathan Kane who's production manager really project managed all of the main contractors to make uh, the build happen so navigating building regs fire regs food safety regs I have new terminology I know more about plumbing and purlings and we put in a whole mezzanine level in order to utilize the height of the unit because we only had so much wall to wall space. And actually, the masking tape exercise quickly showed that there was only so much the, the current floor space could even give us. So that led us to utilize the height. So, yeah, we're, we're really delighted. It wasn't easy. There's a reason why not everybody does it. Um, we learned a huge amount. And I would say that's one of our strengths. We're very open to learning and to growth. And I think you have to have that kind of open mindset in order to keep expanding whatever it is that you do. How many people do you employ now? We have a team of about 40 staff currently. So what began with just myself in my home kitchen has now grown to a 40 strong team operating from this new unit, 4,000 square foot unit. And what it will allow us is to, you know, increase our capacity to produce more sushi and new lines and to focus on new product development to supply the food to go sector in, in Dublin, in Ireland and beyond. And whenever you do grow significantly like that, the costs then go up. So, you know, you have more staff, so the staff costs go up, you have the building costs. And the sustainability side of that is something that whenever you were managing the build was something that you were very focused on because look, the price of electricity and and oil and all of those um, fuels has really, really um, like increased so significantly in in the past couple of years that there is more of an emphasis now on keeping an eye on your costs and managing them and keeping them as low as possible. So tell me a bit about the sustainability journey and what you've done on it. Well, I suppose there's a few different parts to that. You're right. Um, The whole supply chain has been very volatile for the last number of years. And it's imperative 
in order to keep the consistency of the product to maintain that supply chain for your ingredients. And with rising costs, I suppose we did a lot of procurement exercises, making connections further afield and strengthening supplier relationships. And part of that would have been securing sustainably sourced ingredients. So we work very closely and have long term relationships with our suppliers such as Kish Fish, the Good Fish Company, they would be um, long-term suppliers of us in terms of fish and raw materials. Um, so yeah, so to ensure sustainably sourced products, I think supplier relationships are key and also to have a good food safety and quality system and a quality manager to maintain the high standards because uh, the sourcing and sustainability piece falls under that remit. So to finish up then, tell me about the, the products that you have in the portfolio now and um, where they are available because you have a huge network of customers all over the island of Ireland. Yeah, so now we have a core range of about 13 product lines and we would be the main supplier to the likes of Lidl, Tesco and actually we supplied those two um, retail groups in the Republic and in Northern Ireland. So that was a real breakthrough for us to get cross-border. We also supply the likes of Apple Green service stations nationwide. We supply Dunn stores nationwide. So really, we're, our aim really is to supply healthy, convenient, ready-to-eat sushi products for customers to enjoy wherever they are. And lastly, Kira. You have received a number of awards over the years and you've, you're finalist in a number of very prestigious awards this year. Yes, thanks for mentioning that, Sharon. Um, we found out just before Christmas that we've made it to the finals with the Small Firms Association. They have the Small Business Awards and we are finalists in the food and drink category for 2024. So um, the finals will take place now in a couple of weeks we're up against some very, very worthy competitors, but I'm excited to participate. And you never know, this might be our year. Well, listen, good luck with all of that. And your vision for the future then in the next, you've been going, what, um, 18 years, if my maths is correct. What does the next 10 to 18 years hold for you? Oh, my gosh, I can't even think. I can think 10 years ahead, 18 years now, I'm on a beach somewhere, please God. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really enjoy uh, working. I still have such passion for the business. And I'd really like to see the Oishi brand, I suppose, being an established brand name in Irish households in the future, not just focused on sushi. There's so much more to Japanese food and to us than sushi, like really the building blocks are healthy nutritional ingredients you know so good nutritional content focusing on health and easy to eat um, when you're on the go so I'd like to think that we'll have a strong market impact on the food to go sector and the chilled convenience sector through broadening the Oishi brand into more innovative products in the future so 2023 was about the build 2024 and beyond will be about expanding that product range, focus on innovation. Fantastic. Well, listen, congratulations on all your success to date. And we look forward to talking to you before the next 14 years is out. 
if any listeners would like to find out more about us, we have a website, oishisushi.ie, and they could also find us on social media. Now, we don't post that often, um, but we do keep an eye on contacts through Instagram and Facebook, particularly. So, Oishi Foods Limited. Thank you so much, Sharon. It's been a pleasure. You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM.